The story of the Seven Sisters, which is sometimes known as Dreamtime, is said by some to be one of the oldest stories in existence. It is a story that is told around the world where a man, often a hunter, chases a group of young women, often sisters, and to be protected these women are turned into stars. The version of this story from Greek mythology is the most well known. This has Orion chasing Atlas's daughters and this story is connected to a group of stars known as the Pleiades, which are also known as the Seven Sisters. But there are two main mysteries in what I have just told you. First off, why are the Pleiades called the Seven Sisters when most people can only see six stars? And secondly, how did the myth associated with them, the one with the hunter and the young women, manage to be told on opposite sides of the world, with similar stories told in Greece and Australia? Can we show whether this myth spread in recent times? Because if not, the alternative means that it could be almost a hundred thousand years old. And so if you want to know why these six stars are called the Seven Sisters and why the same myth is told on opposite sides of the world, then I would recommend yourself getting comfy because I want to tell you a story, a very old story. So grab yourself a cup of tea and welcome to Crackenfold. The Pleiades in the grand scheme of the universe are a very young group of stars, certainly no more than 125 million years old, meaning they appeared whilst dinosaurs were still wandering the earth. But whilst this is interesting, it isn't as useful as knowing when humans came along to start recording them in our history. Now the first written evidence we have of humans being aware of the Pleiades comes from Chinese astronomical literature dated to 2357 BCE and they have been discussed a lot since then and I will link to a number of published papers about them in this video's description. However, the oldest visual representation of them is thought to be on the Nebula disk and this is dated to around 3600 years old and was found in Germany and I'll circle the Pleiades on them to make it easier to see. The representation is very much symbolic and is not an accurate astronomical map or guide, but there are no other obvious candidates to what it could be representing given the context of the disc, which is why we feel this is representing the Pleiades. The actual stars themselves look like this. The blue nebula surrounded them, hence their young age, as it is leftover space dust that was not used as part of those stars creation, but is still within these stars vicinity. And these stars have been given names from the characters of the Greek mythology about them. So the stars represent the seven daughters of Atlas and Pleione, and are named Maia, Electra, Taigeti, Alcyone, Selano, Sterope, and Merope. There are also two stars named after their parents, Atlas and Pleione. And so now we have the basics out of the way. Let me tell you the Greek version of the myth of the Seven Sisters. Pleione was walking through the Boetian countryside with her daughters when they were seen by Orion, a giant of a hunter. In fact, he was so giant he could walk on the sea floor and his head would still be above the sea. And on seeing these beautiful women, the son of Poseidon, often considered the most handsome of men, he desired them and so he chased after them. He felt especially drawn towards Pleione's daughter, Merope, although some accounts of the myth suggest he was actually after Pleione. Either way, he pursued these women for seven years, 
By which time they were in such desperate need of help, they turned to Zeus for protection. Zeus agreed to help them as he knew their father, the Titan Atlas, was busy holding up the sky and the heavens, and so could not help as his hands were literally full. And so Zeus turned the young women into doves. But realising they still weren't completely safe, he then immortalised them by turning them into stars and placed them in the heavens, in the constellation of Taurus, the bull. But Orion was a bit of a rascal and his less than honourable endeavours did not end there, for he also wooed the goddess of the hunt, Artemis. This relationship was very much frowned upon by her younger brother Apollo, and his deception of Artemis would lead to Orion's final demise. And upon Orion's death, Zeus immortalised him by placing him in the sky, although some stories say it was Artemis who placed him in his heavenly abode. But this placement was unfortunate for the Seven Sisters, who were continually the objects of affection from some of the Olympian gods, and now Orion was placed so very close to them, continuing the chase through mythology. And the help from Zeus was also not without consequence, as he went on to seduce four of the sisters. Because for anyone who follows Greek mythology knows, Zeus liked to get around a bit. And it is this lustful connection which can be linked to the central star of Taurus, Aldebaran, which is known as the Eye of the Bull. The Arabic translation means the follower, for this star follows the Pleiades across the night sky. And there are also some who think that this may have led to the colloquial term Old Bull to refer to a male philanderer. Now, whilst this is a well-known Greek myth, there are over 90 other motifs that incorporate the Seven Sisters within known mythology around the world. And we know this as information on these myths has been collected by a Russian academic called Yuri Bereskin. And through the help of and support of my patrons, I've translated this information into English and merged it with other data of folklore and stories and created a new mythology database, which is available to my patrons and other academics. And I would like to say thank you to them all now for their support, their questions and ideas, as they really have made so many things possible and are making a real difference in the information available to researchers in mythology. Now one piece of information we can see from this resources data is that these type of stories are told in Australia and are often seen as part of some First Nation Australian tribe's culture and ritual and they refer to this as the Seven Sisters of Dreamtime. The Miramay, or what we call the Pleiades, are seven beautiful sisters with long hair and radiant bodies made of ice that shone in the night sky. These sisters were followed everywhere by a group of young men known as the Bere Bere. These men would leave special gifts for the sisters and most often honey as they were good at finding hives and taking honey. And the Merimei appreciated the gifts but always resisted the approaches of men. Now one day an old ancestor of fire named Urana kidnapped two of the beautiful girls and in doing this his fire started to melt the girls' bodies. And this melting of the girls' bodies then led to putting out Urana's fire. He then decided to keep these girls far away and place them in the sky. But after putting out Urana's fire, they did not shine anywhere as bright as they used to. And so over time, their other sisters joined them in the sky. 
and there some of them continue to shine very bright indeed. And the berry berry saw this, and so they let themselves die for love, so that they too would turn into stars and they would form what we would now know as Orion's Belt. It is said that even in the sky today, that the berry berry continue to give honey to the merry merry, and in return they sing for them. But in order to ensure that the merry merry are not forgotten about, they occasionally take ice off their bodies and let it fall to earth. And it is this that starts a ritual for the coming of age, which happens during late winter when the Pleiades first appears in the eastern Australian sky. When this happens, a frost is often seen covering the earth and older children of the tribes then go to the nearest spring and scrape frost from the ground and rub it over their bodies. And this ritual allowed boys to grow into strong hunters and the girls to grow into beautiful buxom women. And this in turn allows their noses to be pierced with a bone and so finishes the ritual of coming of age. There's a word of caution here. For should a beam of sunlight touch their bodies whilst covered with frost, the child will forever be weak. This Australian myth of Dreamtime has a number of forms and are said to relate to the time when the first humans came to Australia, naming the lands as they dispersed around the continent. This process and time was captured in stories, in songs, in rituals, and as the cultures of these first people were already based, these stories were committed to memory and passed down through generations. And so within these stories we hear of floods and of fiery mountains, of strange lights and strange beasts, of lost landscapes, and with regards to the Seven Sisters, stories of people from long ago. These stories in Australia do vary, as do the name of the Pleiades within them. For example, the Adniyama Thanana, people of South Australia, their sisters are known as the Magala, whereas the Bunjilung people of northern New South Wales refer to them as the Merimei or the Mayamei, as in the story I've just told. Whereas the Wulmajiri of Western Australia called the sisters the Gungagurangara, while the Kulin of Victoria tell the story of the Kalagurk. And whilst these names vary, the stories are still similar in so much as they normally involve water in some way, such as in the form of frost or ice or even rain and hail. These stories have these women associated with this form of water and often chased by hunters. And these are often represented by the stars in Orion's belt. So between Greece and Australia, we have two myths that are very similar, told in locations on opposite sides of the world. And so the question has to be, are they from the same source? Now, there will be some of you who say this is just a coincidence, and so let's try and understand what these coincidences could be by looking at the two versions of the story. And in doing this, we will see that there are three specific elements of the myth that are, or could be considered similar, now, that overlap, and so therefore could be a coincidence. And they are that both myths associate the Pleiades with a number of young girls, often sisters. Both identify Orion as a male, and normally a hunter, and both have Orion advancing himself in an unbecoming manner onto those girls. And if you don't believe that this is just a coincidence, then this suggests a common origin, and one that must predate European contact with Australia, 
and the first time we know this happened was in 1788. And if this is the case, the last time these two peoples had a common ancestor would have been at least 70,000 years ago. In 2009, some work was published by Nice and Nice providing an explanation for this. And it is their work that a majority of the evidence for understanding this similarity is leveraged from in this video. But we'll pause here for a moment and talk about the other mystery. Why you haven't pressed the like button. It's an important part of the initiation ceremony for watching Crack and Fall videos and makes a big difference to this video success. And so now hopefully you've pressed the button and passed the initiation ceremony, I can continue. So the other mystery we have here is about why the myths are referred to as the Seven Sisters when most people can only see six stars. And in fact, from an astronomical perspective, there are 10 bright stars in the cluster of Pleiades. So have we lost a star? So why is it we can only see six stars with a good human eye? Well, this isn't a modern puzzle. We have writings from a third century BC Greek poet named Aratus of Soli, who names the seven sisters, but then reports that only six are visible to the eyes. And this isn't just within Greek and Australian mythology. Many cultures around the world regard the cluster as having seven stars, but they acknowledge that only six are normally visible and then create stories to explain why the seventh is invisible. And these lost played stories are are found in Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia, and North America. In the Greek versions of the myth, the most common motif of why the star is lost is due to Merope falling in love with a mortal man, and she was so ashamed of herself that she faded from sight. In First Nation Australian mythology, one, although sometimes two, of the sisters die or are in hiding or have been abducted, leaving only six or five visible stars. In North America, we have a story from the Oradana Iroquois, and here one of the stars sang as they rose into the sky and so forgot to stop and lost their energy and so faded out of sight. And in Islam, it is said that the seventh star fell to earth and became the great mosque. Now, if you look at all these stories, then you would have to come to the almost inescapable conclusion that once upon a time there were seven visible stars in the Pleiades and one disappeared. And this is something that many cultures were aware of. And for this to be a story, the seven stars must have been noticeable at some point in human history. And so part of myth, which would lead on to the development of these lost Pleiad myths. And this has been described by Herzog as the combined testimony of numerous societies spanning continents and millennia for a seventh easily visible Pleiad which subsequently dimmed. Which all in all feels like good evidence in its own right, but it isn't really tangible evidence. And so our question should be, do we have any evidence of a star dimming in this constellation outside of the myth? The Pleiades' brightest stars are what astronomers call B stars. And these are stars that are known for having variable brightness changing over hundreds of thousands of years. We also noted that there was some surrounding nebula dust around these stars, which could again exaggerate 
any fading or indeed allow the stars to shine brighter, depending on whether the nebula was in front of the stars. But whether these changes on their own are really noticeable to a human eye, even over the course of a hundred thousand years, is unlikely. The stars do have motion, and motion we can accurately map using astronomical technology. And using such techniques, we can map where these stars were a hundred thousand years ago and compare them to where they are today. Now, looking at this, your initial perception and the result could be that this doesn't necessarily help us. But if we look closely at the star called Pleione, Atlas's wife, we can see when compared to Atlas's position, it has moved in the last hundred thousand years. And this would have looked more like this to the human eye if we simulate the visual appearance of this. This assumes the stars were viewed from the same location and the same point in the sky. And we will see then that Pleione, 100,000 years ago, was visible as a separate star. And this is an image from Noise and Noise's paper. So our question is, could the Pleiades have been seen as seven separate stars at any time in the past where humans could see them? And the answer is that there's enough evidence here to suggest that this was probably the case. And the most significant of which is that the fact that the star called Pleione was further away from Atlas in the past. And even if we ignore the potential variability of brightness, it would still have been seen as a separate star with those with good eyesight. And this is something we've seen in the myth of the cosmic hunt where the use of Alcor as a separate attribute in the myth helps us evidence the fact that the story was about the same set of stars. So here in the Seven Sisters, we see that Pleione is the evidence we need to say that these stories were talking about the same set of stars. However, these stars only stopped being seven and became six stars between 100,000 and 70,000 years ago. The ancestors of the First Nation Australians left Africa between 100,000 and 70,000 years ago. And these were closely related in terms of DNA to those humans who then went on to populate Eurasia. These humans would become the First Nation Australians, arrived in Australia around 50,000 years ago. And by 30,000 years ago, they had dispersed around the whole of the Australian continent, or the outside at least. But at 50,000 years onwards, these First Nation Australians became a continuous and unbroken cultural line with little in the way of other cultures interacting with a majority of people until 1788 with the arrival of the Europeans. Now, I would also say that there was some interaction between North Australia and Indonesia slightly earlier in this due to the harvesting of sea cucumbers by the Makassar people from Indonesia. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, the population of Australia as a whole remained isolated from the rest of the world for at least 50,000 years. So the humans who were the people that would eventually split into those dispersing to Australia via Southeast Asia and those that would eventually go into Europe would last together at least 70,000 years ago and probably a little longer than that. And at this point in time, we believe the Pleiades would probably still have been seen as seven visible stars. 
So what does this mean? Does it mean the story of the hunter and the girls are from the same root, the same source? After all, there is similarity between the First Nation Australian and Greek stories of the Pleiades and Orion, which is that they identify the Pleiades as a group of young girls, they identify Orion as a hunter or young man or group of men, and they both have stories in which the group represented by Orion is attempting to catch the group represented by the Pleiades. And then we have the fact that cultures in both places have called the cluster of Pleiades the Seven Sisters, although most humans can only see six stars. And then they have stories to explain why the seventh star is now invisible. I have no doubt that the story of Orion and the Pleiades told today from Greek mythology is thousands of years in the making, as are the Dreamtime stories of the Merimei in Australia. But we are looking at this as academics and not as hopeless romantics, despite how much many of us would want the evidence to be solid, and so to point to an early single source of this myth being 100,000 years old. The fact is, the evidence I've spoken about today has a couple of issues, and so let's talk about them for a minute. Pleiades and Orion are some of the most easily distinguishable objects in the sky at night, and so many cultures will have stories about them. And actually, we see this with Pleiades having over 340 mentions in motifs in Bearskin's database, spread across pretty much every region in the world. And Orion has over 220 motifs in slightly fewer areas. This means that when compared to the less than 100 motifs about the Seven Sisters, it would be sensible to suggest that the cultures told stories about these stars because they were easily identifiable in the night sky, and changes to these objects would have been noted by any cultures that looked at the sky, which is all of them. And so we need to ask ourselves, what are the chances that two separate cultures on the opposite sides of the world would call the set of stars in Orion a group of men, and Pleiades a set of women? Now also consider that the Earth's rotation gives the impression that Orion is chasing the Pleiades across the night sky. So with that, then I think labelling the stars as males chasing females has a high probability of coincidence, especially with hunters chasing prey being a common Upper Paleolithic motif, because cultures were predominantly hunters. But there is also academic pushback on the data used on the positioning of the stars, as in the paper by Noyce and Noyce. The data used was based on old information and what are now considered to be out-of-date measurements, which have an error rate of around 50%, meaning that the position of Atlas and Peony would have been 50% closer than the simulated photo from 100,000 years ago shows. Now, this doesn't mean someone with good eyesight probably couldn't have distinguished between the two stars 70,000 years ago, especially if the brightness of nebula were in our favour, but it does throw doubt on the lost star hypothesis. Or it could suggest that the lost star motif is even older than we think, for it to be noticed as being lost. There are universal motifs that have survived since the African dispersal event 70,000 years ago, but myths, and by that I mean a whole story combining motifs are less resilient to time and dispersal. We do have old stories in humanity's culture that have survived. The cosmic hunt is one where the evidence is much stronger than we have here. 
and we can piece together uh, a motif's evolution to recreate older stories such as the earliest creation myths, the flood myths and dragon myths. And so considering all the evidence, my view would be that statistics favour coincidence in the Greek and Australian stories being similar, partly due to the significance of the stars involved, but also because there are aspects to the Australian story, especially around ritual and water, which seem to be completely lost in the Greek version of the myth, which I wouldn't expect to happen. And this leaves us with just a hunter chasing a woman motif. And this is not a rare motif, nor exclusively associated with the Pleiades and Orion. And then the astronomical evidence about there being two stars into one is weaker than suggested in the Noyce and Noyce paper. But we must also ask ourselves, why are there so many stories insisting that there were seven stars, even though only six are visible to most people, together with a story explaining the lost Pleiade? The evidence I've spoken about does suggest that possibly seven stars were visible 100,000 years ago, and evidence suggests this motif has travelled around the world. It was a very recognisable object in the night sky. Its change would be reflected in stories, and these changes would have only happened because the change was noticed. And this could have only happened probably no later than the time of the African dispersal of humans. But to say the story of hunters chasing women travelled with it, that I'm not completely convinced by. And the evidence doesn't really support it, not in a significant manner. This motif is not dispersed in a way that one would expect. You know, I have no doubt that Dreamtime stories are very old, but it is very difficult to date them using solid evidence. And the ones I can date, I've covered in a previous video, and can relate to tangible evidence. We can, with a very non-academic gut feel, say that these Dreamtime stories, including the Seven Sisters, may well be as old as the First Nation Australian culture. And so, yes, there is a chance this story of hunters chasing women predates a significant dispersed event from Africa 70,000 years ago. But we must acknowledge that due to the huge number of other stories about Orion and the Pleiades, and a lack of hunting mythologies in those, then whilst it is something I want to believe is true, my academic head desires better evidence to conclude this as being the oldest story in the world. Or indeed, for it being over 50,000 years old. But from the evidence, what I will say is that the motif of seven stars turning to six within the Pleiades star cluster is probably 70 to 100,000 years old. And that makes it one of the oldest motifs we know. Now, I'm sure there will be many comments about this, and so please leave them below, and I will do my best to respond to as many as I can, even if it means making another video to respond to these, as there are many other myths about the Pleiades as well, I wish to tell you. But for those who want to look at other evidence to show how we can restruct these old stories, then I have a video on the cosmic hunt and the dragon myths. But perhaps a good parallel to this video is this one, about the earliest creation myths we know. And if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend this. So 
Until then, please stay safe and well. This was Crick and Fault.